episode the NRL All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back for the final Supercoach episode of 2022. Don't worry, the Talking Footy episodes are going to continue through the finals so you can still listen to the NRL All-Stars podcast during the NRL final series, which is going to be super exciting. But for Supercoach, we've got a winner crowned. Congratulations, Maddie Wright ended up taking it out and coming first. Me and Billy did not, and that's why Billy's on here because we're going to lament the Supercoach season that was and talk about a few things in regards to Supercoach 2022. So, Billy, welcome back on board. It's been a few weeks for you, and it's also now season done and dusted. Yeah, I've been waiting for this episode of year, mate, the uh, end of year retrospective, so I can uh, tear shreds off myself and every player that has come across my team since day <laughs> one. <laughs> so uh, let's rip in. It is fairly cathartic and like, you know, I feel like when you do this, you forget about it and move on and like you get to the next year and you just forget about the year before. And so it can work out pretty well. Look, this podcast, me and Billy are going to go through our top three learnings from this year and promises for our future selves. Uh, We're going to go through our top three calls that we've each made that we reckon we're happy with and also the top three worst ones too, which is going to be hugely, hugely enjoyable, I'm sure, reminiscing about all that. But then we're going to go through the team of the year too. So looking at the top super coach players for each position and having a chat about the type of season that it was. Uh, look, Billy, I ended up finishing up okay in the end. Uh, not as well as what I would have liked to. Uh, but it was that old thing, I guess, before we get into it, where geez, I found it hard the last month to to juggle the old overall versus head-to-head. Like I was keeping, keeping the captaincies on guys just to match my head-to-head opponents, but then thinking... Geez, if I was going overall, I'd change it. And then, you know, vice versa with a couple of starts that I did in a couple of sits. And in the end, I ended up 1,800. Not bad. Um, I reckon I would have been top 1,000 if I would have just not had the head-to-heads to worry about. In the end, I had three head-to-head grand finals and I ended up finishing bridesmaid in all of them. Second isn't too bad, but it sort of annoys you when you end up sacrificing some positions on overall. They really have to fix that. I know that you mainly went to um, head-to-head, though. How did you end up finishing up at the end of the year? Oh, pretty horrific. I um, ended up slipping out of all the finals, but I, never, I don't think I ended up making any really. There, there might have been one, but I think I went out in the second week or something or other. So, yeah, pretty horrific overall. I, I don't even know what I ended up finishing. I stopped looking at my overall score about six weeks ago. I'm too scared to look. So, out of the cash, out of the overall, mate, I, you hear this from lots of people every year saying, oh, my worst year ever, but this was absolutely disgraceful. I, I'm embarrassed. I'm even a podcaster this year. <laughs> yeah, you did have a pretty unlucky year. I mean, your other some of your other years have been absolute fire, and it happens to everyone. You can't consistently be really high up there all the time. You're going to have some years that are just off. Um, and we've been playing this game for a very long time. You know, it's been around for a while, so it's going to happen. I, I was disappointed with 1800. Like I thought I would have been a top 500 this year. You know, obviously you hope for higher, but that was sort of my minimum benchmark and didn't meet it. But I want, top 1,000 was sort of, that's doable and that was always, you know, I'd be happy enough with that. Um, but yeah, the head-to-head stuff always annoys me when you get towards the end of the year. You sort of don't worry about it as much at the start and you forget about it. But then as you get towards those finals and you recognise that you're really looking at head-to-head stuff so much, it, you, you, it does start to give you the shits. But anyway, 
hopefully one day super coach wink wink daily telegraph all the people that listen from here i'm sure none of them do but i'll get in dave campbell's ear and a few other boys that i know at the telly to try and separate it because that's what we've been calling for for ages hey billy like separate it so you can have head to head and overall and you can play two teams i mean that would make things a lot easier i reckon it'd make it a lot more fun too Oh, certainly would. I mean, it'd make it a bit sort of harder, harder to manage trying to trying to deal with deal with two teams. But um, um, it certainly would make would make the trades easier. Like it's much easier to 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 finish finish in the top four, or top six of you if you know you just got to beat beat one bloke for the week as opposed to you know, twenty five thousand. So certainly does make your strategy strategy easier. Just nullifying opponents. Um, the hard part is trying to play head to head when you're actually passionate about overall and you, you do care about you know going for the big scores because you end up sort of you know playing players you generally wouldn't have just to punch the numbers up and add, add risk and complexity head to head. But I don't need to tell you that. Yes, well, let's move into our top three learnings or promises that we're going to make for our future selves for 2023. Yep. Uh, my first one, Billy, I reckon it's probably on your list too. Saving trades. We say it all the time, but for me, I really felt it the last two months of the season because I saw all of these really good options uh, that were coming up and most of them ended up working out. And on paper, a lot of them look like it. We spoke about some of these guys and we're going to talk about some of them in detail later, but some of these pods that were pretty sure things to be a decent buy, guys like Hudson Young, um, bigger pods like Britain, Acora, those type of back rowers, uh, even some of the other lesser known guys as well that really came through pretty surprisingly. Like there was a lot of those sort of guys just for runs in that last two months of footy where I just didn't have any trades. And certainly I've always normally been a proponent for burning trades at the start to get your team right. And I, and then I just kept burning them for the buy rounds as well to try and get the buy round numbers up. But like, I think that strategy can work, but this was just one of the years for me where I really felt it at the back end more than other years where I felt I had to say more trades because there was just so many opportunities the last eight weeks where you could have gotten massive jumps if you had trades. Not many people did, so a lot of people were in my boat, but I am going to be a bit more vigilant next year on, on saving the trades. Yeah, I had plenty of trades left towards the end, but um, I was really low ranked. <laughs> it's probably a... Uh... A case for uh, balancing balancing the force there, mate. Um, yeah, agree. Look, you got to have something something up the sleeve. Um, I think uh, Bat, one, of the, one of the guys in our, in, our, in one of our little sort of comps, Baz. I think he always finishes top five hundred. But he took out took out a few head to head comps this year. He had two trades going into the last round, so there there are ways to do it. And um, just quickly, I know it's not exactly the same, but I've been doing that. Uh, NRL sort of fantasy sort of um, money ball sort of um, gaming all year. And the amount of times the person winning the two grand on the Friday night is just uh, has one or two decent blokes like your Tedesco and your Manus and, and, and your Hines, but the rest, the rest, the rest of the forwards. Absolute plebs. Abs- like they're, they're uh, you know, Junior Paulo, a bloke coming off the bench and, and some bloke, you know, that minute that bottom dollar is just named at lock that's getting you know thirty five minutes. You, you know, some it, it's just, the same can be applied to super coach, mate. But what uh, my, my number one thing was spine all day. So you as long as you have those players in key positions, you don't need to load up on wingers and and sort of front row forwards. You can just get someone that, like a plotter at base, at bottom dollar is just going to do the job for you. Yeah, and I, like I lost my 
my finals, my grand finals between 16 and 29 points. And I had no trades for them, obviously. And obviously there was a lot of injuries and a lot of outs and a lot of restings, even for round 24. So it was pretty hard. So you sort of, I looked at all of those and would have, and would have definitely traded at the end to, and I would have gotten the wins um, if I had trades left. So it's not just for overall, it's also for head to head, you know, it can really cost you grand finals. And I reckon it did this year for me for sure. Uh, second one for me, Billy, don't buy every cheapie um, because a couple of things that happened to me, loops, oh, I couldn't loop anymore because I ended up with bloody Burbo and I just, I couldn't, didn't have the trades left to get rid of Burbo. And we talk about how the loops don't matter as much, but these last few weeks of the seasons, the last couple of years, it's been a lot easier to loop because you end up with all these guys getting rested and out and stuff. So certainly like I had like uh, 19 for the final round of the season. It would have been a really easy loop round. Obviously, Burbo went to centre, so it made it a bit easier. But if he didn't get moved to centre and score okay, it would have been the normal six or seven points for Burbo. And that's a classic example of a cheapie that I probably didn't need to buy. Uh, and I, we both spoke about this during the season, uh, about not buying every cheapie and picking and choosing. I still probably did it a bit too much. I didn't do it as many times as what I could have, but I, I think that I, I sacrificed too many times uh, and didn't think down the track of making sure I could get rid of those guys as well. So certainly being a bit more careful with the cheapies, being a bit more cognizant of it affecting loops and things in the future. I think that that's uh, number two for me on my promise for next year. Yeah, I agree with that. My, my third one was very similar to yours. Um, I had, don't get too smart and having too many nuffs. I think I started the year with, with three. One of them was Burbo, who I finished with. I think I had Suwali or someone like that as well. I can't remember if he ended up starting, but I haven't had another. I think I had three Chooks edges to start the year. <laughs> None of them ended up playing that right wing. And um, uh, yeah, the, someone else, the, the 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 Raider that played one game. So if you had too many nuts, yeah. oh Schiller, Schiller yeah. killed a few people. I knew, I knew, I knew he was only going to play a couple. But it's one of those things where every year, someone um, there's always teams that just has has one or two players that are named a lock. Um, you, you look like uh, King, for example. Uh, named at lock was only ever going to play one game because you know someone was coming back and all of a sudden, oh, he's there another week. Oh, he's there another week. Oh, he scored a try. He scored 70. Oh, he's there another week. It's kind of like, you're kidding me. Just go away. So this year I decided to do something different and go, you know what, bugger it. Go with the crowd. There's going to be a couple of these guys that actually sort of stick around or, or something. There's going to be an injury that get a game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a smart one just you know that actually has a higher quality players um, in my starting team because I managed to save a lot of cash and I've got some bottom dollar guys that actually are going to play pretty soon. Nah, none of them plays. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> you, it, it just goes to show you can have those years where you, you get it right. You can have those other years, other years where you, you just don't. But you still got to have, have have a crack and um, uh, have, have a go in some areas because the one year that comes off is the one year that you, you're going to be at the top. Yeah, and I mean, following on from it too, the other thing with the don't buy every cheapie is that sometimes the cheapies that you've got, you can hold a bit longer and make some money out of more so. And probably Nanai and Max King were, were two decent examples of that. Um, Josh King went along longer than what he should have probably. Um, so certainly that comes into it. But yeah. So Max is a brilliant example. Um, uh, I not sure what he actually averaged for the season, but pretty sure we've been around the fifties. Like he, he wasn't just a potter; he did the job. 
And I've still got him in my team. I don't think I've played him more than maybe two or three games this year. But yeah. you could have you could have easily sort of started with a bloke like him as opposed to you know like a, a Papali or something like that. And maybe he's a he's a bit of an extreme example, but like someone like Payne Haas. Certainly like Payne Haas. Payne Haas was very fancied and he only averaged sixty three for the years. So certainly looking at Yeah, so you could have saved what, you know, what three hundred grand there or something or other for for a, a bloke that was in a shit house team that actually just just did just, that just just did his job and just just did his job and you could have played in there pretty much all season like that money is is coin that can go into um someone someone like my um my my my, 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 my second option um don't worry about breaking and with, with with soft games and draws coming up like I, I i miss joseph manu because i was trying to get three three guys with my um with with my trades coming into the final final round, as opposed to just being the one bloke that I really 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 wanted, I ended up get, getting Brian Tuo and someone else and someone else who ended up going to average what forty five fifty points each for the rest of the season. I missed out on the one bloke that scored six hundred in one game. So, um, yeah, what what, I, what what I'm trying to say here is my, my three was spying all day. Don't worry about break evens. Um, and to just get if someone's got a soft run or someone that you really want, just get them, and don't get too smart. Don't have too many nuffs. So, yeah, that sort of goes a nice segue into my final one for me, which was um, quite a big call for me to say this one. But it is something that I like to do pretty often. So I'm a bit disappointed that I got roped in this year. And my last point for myself for next year was throw the names out the window. And yeah. I really think that this was a year where if you threw names out the window and just went off your gut and the numbers and what you're seeing happen in front of you and unfolding games, you would have gone really well. You know, we, we spoke about examples. Yeah, I'm certainly throwing Tom's name out the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we spoke about guys like Hudson Young before and Nakora as examples. Like they were really good ones. Uh, a Latrell move over at Pappenhausen was de- season defining for me. Um, that was another one. Like, if you throw the names out the window, you would have ended up certainly with a few guys that you would never have thought of. Tino averaged 67 for the year as the second best front row forward, which we'll talk about later. You know, you would have ended up going a lot better. But unfortunately, what happens with all of us, and it doesn't matter whether this is your first year, your 10th year, you do a podcast or you look at numbers all the time about it like we do, you get sucked into the names. And like I did it with Pappenhausen. I didn't want to buy Pappenhausen when I did. Um, but I did it anyway because I was so scared of the name of Pappenhausen having not in my team and him killing me. And what ended up happening was he scored me a 45 and a 41 or whatever, and then he was gone for the year. Um, the same thing happened with other guys. You he know, like you. it's So for me, like that's a big one. I reckon next year I need to sort of throw my na- the names out the window more. Don't get sucked in by the names. Sure, if the stars are actually going well and firing, then it's fine. But I probably was skewed a little bit, Billy, on some of my moves on just getting worried about the names and what the popular opinion was about those stars and needing them and stuff. And I probably got sucked in a bit on that myself. Yeah, but you have to be. Um, I was on I had the exact same problem that you just mentioned with Papa Houston, where I didn't buy him and he went mental and scored 185 on that on that game, what, that one week where he was coming back from injury and actually had a break yep. even at 163. So... You and I just got both stung by doing the exact same thing, just at opposite time times of the season. By by not buying him, he ruined my season, and by buying him, he ruined your season. So it, it goes both ways. You have to be scared of players like that, and you have to buy them for a reason. 
Um, there was a game where, where I didn't get Teddy or, um, back and he went and scored or 160, 170. There was a game where Munster did it and I think I was on it. So you've absolutely got to make those plays. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But yeah, I wouldn't be buying a guy just based, just, just based on name. But if the guy's got the name and has a soft draw and, um, there's a chance of him killing the season, uh, those are the chances you do have to take by. Oh, yeah, and obviously the caveat. So you, you, none of these things, you're going to do it like full call for everything. Like you're not going to throw all the stars out and just have a team of pods. But I think sometimes when you're making the decision, sometimes it's definitely been this year, some of the astute decisions have been to go for the lesser name uh, or the less popular player. And that's especially in second row. Like when we have a look at second row, you'll see that. Another good example was I really should have thrown David Fafita out the window and I should have gone for one of the other secondary forwards that I love the draw of. There was three or four of them. I would have been better off with all of them. So that was another one. But, mate, look, it's, it's enough. I, I need you to make me feel better. Talk about some of the stuff that you need to promise yourself to do next year, some of your learnings. I know we mentioned one of your points. What's a couple of the others? Uh, not do next year. Um, certainly won't be lying Cody fucking Walker, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Yeah, no, um, I've, I've already given you the three that I'm not going to do next year. So spine all day, um, not worrying about break-evens and not getting too smart with enoughs. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that really kind of concern me this year. The things that I did that I did do well this year, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. So the things that I did do well this year was, like everyone, I looked, I, I looked for runs of players that have had versus weaker opposition. But the thing was, I ended up going for wingers with a soft draw and spending 500, 550,000 on players that didn't eventuate. Um, Mulatalo was a classic example. They had a soft as hell draw. Um, I got him for 500k and he didn't go over the line at all. And when he did, he ended up scoring 50. So that was an absolute waste of money. I did exactly the same thing with Brian Tuo on the other side. So I think at one point in the season, like all for a whole third of the season, I basically had two absolute weapons with in teams with soft draws at you know one point one, one point two million bucks that did nothing for me. Um, I kind of thought that was a good way to catch up, but ended up chasing money that wasn't in the spine. So for me next year, it's all spine. If I find a team that's going to have a really soft draw, I'm just going to go for the no name like securing a case sitting on the wing as opposed to trying to pick the guy that. We really did is to have the base as well. Yeah, it was a year where the centre wings weren't really weren't very good. Um, there wasn't a lot of depth in the centre wing scoring. So after your top four, oh, Walker, sorry, um, AJ, AJ was the exception, but that was one. Yeah, I mean, but I, I'm talking like after the first four guys, uh, centre wing yeah. really falls off a cliff, and you you actually only had like what was it? Um, five, four guys that actually went 65 plus as an average for the year. Like, that's ridiculous yeah. um, for center wing. So it was just, a, and, and like, it's got to be said, Billy, like we're lamenting all these things that we need to be aware of next year for ourselves as mental notes and stuff. But it, some of it comes down to luck, yeah. you know, and you're not always going to get it right. And some of it's just like next year, you might have 10 guys at average 65 plus in center wing. Like it, it is hard to tell yeah. with some of this. We, we need to get more positive. Top three calls that we've made. Why don't you go first on this one? What are your top three calls on players or, or things that you did this year? Oh, this one's easy. Um, AJ was one. Um, I, think... I loved your AJ one because I, I I was upset the whole time that I didn't have AJ because <laughs> yeah. I liked him and yeah. I knew you got him early. Uh, AJ AJ was one. 
Um, I got him nice and early too. I think the first week I got him, he wasn't that great. And I was thinking, oh, don't tell me I've done this. Because I, um, I got him and Walker and Nikarima the same week, forgetting that Lachelle was going to come back. <laughs> mm. so, so that was, uh, so AJ was a good one. Um, Cotter, I got on Cotter early. was really happy with him, particularly when he was, when he was, uh, playing 80 minutes in the front row. I thought, how good is this? And then he got selected for Origin and then he injured himself. <laughs> you bastard. But, but he, 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 was, he was a favorite call of mine. And uh, Latrell, I got on Latrell um, pretty early the, um, the last third of the season. Latrell was a really good early call. Um, and really Latrell and AJ I was very jealous about because I didn't have either and I almost got both. And I mean, AJ is especially lucky at his 67.8 average. Um, it was a massive year for him. Uh, look, my three, backing Hines early. Um, I think that that was fairly controversial preseason. That um, I, like, I think you you're on board with me when we did the Sharks preview together in the preseason that we thought Hines projected out yep. to be really good and Correct. to be like an 85, 90 guy. Correct. But nobody else really did and everyone else was very standoffish. So I was really pleased that I jumped on Hines early um, and I liked what I saw and I like. I just, I, I, I rode with it and rode with the gut on Hines. Um, the other one was the Cowboys contingent. So early on, um, particularly looking towards that buy, I ju- ended up jumping on Robson instead of Grant, first of all, for that origin period. And I ended up jumping on Drinkwater early on and both those guys stayed. And almost not quite at the same time, I, I jumped on Holmes too, but Robson and Drinkwater I had very early and Holmes I had later on. Those three really held my team together. Like the seasons that they put, they were really good value. Um, it it all projected well um, and they were all pods and or pod-ish and it worked out. Um, and that doesn't happen that often when you grab three guys from the same team. So that was one. Um, and the other one was Burton. Um, I managed to nab Burton before he had a good game, which is pretty controversial. He was only around 400,000. And the next week he fired and I had a, a seven or eight week run before I got rid of him where he averaged 86 points. And um, that was awesome. And then he went downhill after that. So I'm not going to say that I, I did well with that. It was probably more luck, but that was one of the things that I wanted to do that year that I tried to do a couple of times, jump on a guy that hasn't gone nuts yet, have them for that run before they actually have the run, get them in cheap and then be able to punt them before they actually go back down. Burton was one of the few guys that I managed that with. The old bolo, so high, eh? Certainly got that right. Um, yeah, I remember you talking about that. I remember rubbish you. I mean, I'm not sure. And then he went on a couple, he went on for a couple more games but then sort of, then sort of came back to reality. But, yeah, I couldn't see that one coming at all. Like he, he just when when you told me his numbers, it was really interesting. It's it's like you were, he's a couple of games versus Penrith last year where he's sort of on sort of you know twenty at halftime and then twenty you know twenty five minutes before the end, but just seemed to have that right step close to the line over the line break try. They got they they do get him and they all count. Um, just a shame his uh, kicking percentage wasn't any better. Yeah, that was a bit disappointing. I mean, there was a run there where he had like seven out of eight games. It was 70 plus. Yeah. So it was just uncanny um, how big and consistent he was going. Um, but look, there's also some plays that we got wrong. Um, I'll, we'll alternate again and you go first. <laughs> who, are you, who are your few that you just thought, oh, geez, that's a bad call? Really struggle with this because you're asking me to my top three in my list is as long as... <laughs> <laughs> 
I've actually got another rule mentioned. So well, I'm going to leave say. her though out because he didn't have he, he didn't have any any time to prove himself, so I'm not counting that one. <laughs> the worst one for me was uh, Walker. I um, got him in early and just had him for the the longest of runs. I just couldn't get rid of him. Um, I think he might have had one game where he scored six tries and still still only scored eighty for me. So he he was one. Uh, Mulatalo, we talked about him. Um, I got him for an insanely easy draw and did absolutely nothing. And the uh, the last one was a tie between uh, Tomalolo and Lo- and Toto. And I'm not sure which one was the worst. Possibly Lolo, possibly Lolo, because I got him just just prior to that, sort of round round thirteen, and he ended up averaging forty five for the rest of the year. But I just couldn't get rid of it because I had a really soft draw coming up. I thought he's due, he's due, he's due, and then it was just way too late. Injuries galore just had to keep playing him. And um, he went the whole year without a try. You realise? Yeah, he yeah. I know. Which is why I'm putting twenty bucks on him for the next three weeks straight because he's he's, he's got two weeks <laughs> left of the noodle run. We say this every year, and every year I jag at least 50% of him. So I'm just going to chuck 20 bucks on him anytime. Hopefully, get sort of. He was 650 last week. So maybe finals, he might be 7, 750. So hopefully, we get him. Well, it's it's funny with those calls, though, like the, the Tomalolo one that you bring up, because like I own Tomalolo, but it's a different perspective yeah. with my team. So he, he's not on my list. And what I mean is, like, I started with him. So I wasn't disappointed because I never spent a trade on him. And I started the year with him, and so it really didn't cost me anything. And I had him for his really his good run, so I didn't get on later. And I had him for the buy cover still. So it you know it just goes to show, even with the same players, they can hurt your team differently than someone else, even though they're the same guy, because you've got the other circumstances of how much did you pay for them? Did you spend a trade on them? Were you starting them all the time? It can all make quite a bit of difference too. Yeah, see, I could have got like a, like a Zane Televano or just. Somebody that's playing 35 minutes off the bench for you know 180k that would have done almost the same job. So that, that's that's the reason for the frustration with me, as opposed to someone like you who's just um, got him got him astutely early. Um, basically, just done the job for you. Yeah. Well, look, I've I've got a few that are really like guys that are pretty much blacklisted for me, uh, and then another <laughs> two that aren't going to be blacklisted. But geez, they let me down. Before I do, I do need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast in TopSport. TopSport.com.au, you can go jump on there and check them out. They're 100% Australian-owned bookmaker, and they always have fantastic odds, and they do a lot of charity work. They also do a lot of work to make sure they've got the best service in the betting industry, and I reckon they're right up there. Got a really easy-to-use app as well. But if you're going to jump on, make sure you use the promo code from this podcast. It's SC All Stars. You can put that in the promo code spot when you create an account today. And they'll take great care of you because they'll see that you're one of our listeners coming across to give them a crack. So go and give them a go. Try them out. Looking at the finals, if you want some odds, uh, the Parramatta Eels have been coming in a fair bit on other bookies, but you can get plus eight of a line at a dollar ninety for them. Absolutely love that one. Um, the Storm, a lot of other bookies have got them dollar thirty two to a dollar thirty five. Dollar forty-three to beat Canberra in Melbourne. Insane odds. Uh, again, you can grab the Sharkies dollar seventy at Points Bet Stadium. The Roosters at a dollar fifty-seven. Uh, that's better odds than a few of the other big key bookmakers as well that have them closer to a dollar fifty. So they've got some great odds there. They've also got um, some fantasy sports gambling as well with the player performance markets. Where if you 
got to scratch that itch when Supercoach is done and dusted. Go and do some player performance betting. You can bet the over or under on their fantasy points scoring based on the real NRL stats and have some fun with that. But topspot.com.au, they are fantastic. Get on them. Use SC All Stars as your promo code. Top three, Billy, worst calls. Sifatalakai. Oh, my God. I reckon that he's on everybody's. He had that massive game where he absolutely blitzed. It almost ended Morgan Harper's career just about. Got Morgan Harper dropped. <laughs> scored like That's 150 right. points in the first half. Ended up on 165. But, you know, that 165 was a week after he put 114 on Melbourne with one try and absolutely blitzed them as well. And the week before, he had 59 versus the West Tigers, but he didn't do anything other than get tackle breaks. He had like 11 tackle breaks. He saw those three weeks and just went, oh, my God, I need to buy him because I'm so scared. He's playing the Broncos, then the Warriors, then the Raiders, and then the Titans. And you're like, shit, the Warriors and Titans, if he went 165, you know, over at Manly at their home ground, jeez, those Warriors and Titans games, they're going to be belters. 50 points and 43 points versus the Warriors and the Titans. And, in fact, he went through the rest of the year and only got 60-plus once. Uh, but, of course, me and a lot of other idiots bought him for $699,500 right after um, those games. You could have got that before the Manly game. Um, a week later, he was 763000 and people were buying him then. Paying that much money for a centre wing, Billy, um, that was that's well against all my standards um, and the norm, and I talked myself into it, you know, being an exception because of the run that he had and paying for the points. Sometimes that might work out in the short term. I've not remembered it working out so spectacularly awful with any player, though. Not to hit 60-plus more than once or twice for the rest of the season after those early season runs and paying 700 k for him. Uh, it's it's remarkable that he only finished on a 60-point average when he was averaging like 80 for the first oh, about nine rounds in. So Sifatalakai, round of applause, never again list. I still get him again. I uh, I was I, I got I got him early. Um, I think we there was the first week where he sort of did that uh, fifty to the sixty for the rest of the Tigers. He started looking dangerous. I can't remember if I got him the week after or the week after that, but it was certainly a couple of weeks before you. Because <laughs> we, we, I think you had him for the Tigers game because he threw up a hundred and eight versus Newcastle in round four, and I, I think I remember you having him for the Tigers game, which was before he's Melbourne. Yeah, I must have because I um I certainly received him for that game where he scored a hundred and sixty, whatever it was. And um, I distinctly remember having an argument with um, a, lot of, a lot of the lads in the old Balzac's crew saying, I think you're mad living in because uh, um, Pappy, Pappy was up against someone someone demoralising that week as well, ended up outscoring him. So the, okay. so the, uh, the Talakai livers got absolutely hammered. But, um, um, yeah, it's certainly punch, well, certainly punch nuts and big scores, mate. Um, I think I don't think the issue with buying him. The issue was probably not not selling him. I think there were when, yeah, when you bought yeah. him, and not, yeah. I think that, that's a lot. That's a lot of coin for a senatorial quarter that's not sort of Joseph Manu. So, and and it, it, even for Manu to get up to close to you know nine hundred a million bucks, that's a lot of that's a lot of coin for a bloke that's no longer playing fullback and back to right right center, like where he uh, scores a lot of fifties. Yeah, it's look, it's eerily reminiscent of the number two guy on my list, mate. Yeah, 
Yeah. Tony Staggs, he finished on 354,000, averaging 49 points. Like, people thought this was his breakout year. He played Origin. He was some sort of myth that he was actually built for Origin. Got Didn't play Origin again after game one. 49 points after he went 62 in 2021 yep. and 59 in 2020. Absolutely abysmal. I brought him in uh, because I was worried about the Bulldogs. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was around round seven. Um, it might have actually been the week after that. I can't remember, but against the Bulldogs, round seven, 37 points. Then he had an 82, and you thought he was coming to life. 14 points versus South, 14. Then 35 versus Manly. He ended up averaging the 49, like I said, but I can tell you post, like, from round 15 onwards, after he was out two weeks in round 13 and 14, um, he had a 103-point score. But he also had every game from round 15, bar the 103, bar the 61 that was below 60. But actually, eight of those games were below 50. That is how bad he was, um, with you know, four of them below 30. It was just horrendous how terrible he was. He actually didn't score a try since round 17. He finished off on a two-month drought, not scoring one single try. Um, it was just uh, horrific, and it makes me more angry about Katoni Staggs because I spoke in the preseason how I wasn't interested in him at all. He was a bit of a flavour of the month preseason because of his price, because he what he did last year, yeah. people thought he'd be better. I hated him. I hated him as a buy. I told everybody that did it, don't do it. And even during the season, I felt really justified because he opened the month of footy with 23, 32, 36, and 38 points. And I went, wow, this is exactly what I thought. Good call, Barnsley. Turned out to be a terrible call because I got talked into just grabbing him on a whiff at the last minute before a game kicked off, and he went terrible. I remember that game. I remember having that, I remember having that discussion with you the following week saying, why? That was the other rule. Don't drink and trade. Uh, that's a good one. It's a really good one. Trading against my gut and my sense, Pap and Turbo. I did it with both. You know, Both of those guys, I didn't want to get in at the time. Um, but I got scared of both of them. And both of them gave me nothing for, for two weeks and then went off injured. Um, so yeah, they they are bad players to get, but the time that I got them, I should have trusted my gut and not got them. And that was the big turning point for my season. Um, I was going to, I was toying with the fact of getting Latrell Mitchell instead of Pappenhausen for the buy, and I got Pap. And I just, I shouldn't have done it. I, if I went with my gut and Latrell, I would have been top, you know, I would have, halved my rank for sure, um, 100%. But honourable mention, Billy, and this is one that everyone can hang up on their wall as the dumbest trade of the year. Uh, I was going into the buy round and I only had a certain amount to spend on front row forward. It was around 500K on the dot. And who was available for the buy that I could keep around as a third string front row forward to rotate with my two starters if I needed to because I knew I couldn't get them out again. So I wanted someone that was going to be solid, not ruin my loops, Billy. Taki Aho at the time went for a, a five or six round run of averaging 63 and nothing below a 57. And I went, look, he's one of my roosters. I can support him. He, he's not going to give me a low score uh, and he's going to get some bigger minutes and stuff as well. And he's scoring 60s pretty consistently, even though he doesn't have the big ones in him. Mate, the other one was Tapani, and I didn't get Tapani. And Tapani was sub 500K. And after that, Tapani went on an average like 80 points for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, TKO got injured, and obviously then we bought Matt Lodge as well, <laughs> and it was just the worst turnaround ever. So I reckon that two big differences in my season, 
was buying Takia over Tappany, who admittedly looked better than Tappany at the time I bought him, and buying Pappenhausen and Turbo, and certainly over Latrell. If I didn't do those two things and I went Tappany and Latrell, my season would have been exponentially better. The Takia one was just a, 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 stab, a stab in the dark, um, possibly getting some more minutes, but it didn't work out, but nobody could have foreseen that the, the Tappany one and Ricky Stewart coming to his senses and giving his best forward more minutes. No, no one can foresee that with Ricky, so I think you give you give you a mulligan on that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not even. I'm not so much like dirty on myself, just dirty on the situation. Like, and that's the thing with these moves, right? Some of them you just can't control, you know, and some of them might have been the right yeah. call, but it doesn't make it any better that you missed out on that player. <laughs> I know, I know. The thing that frustrates me is where did I know all forwards start with smaller minutes and they work what they work what they work their way out to bigger minutes with um a bit a bit of match fitness, a few games un, under their belt. If someone's informed they're gonna get a few more minutes too. But where the hell did Tarpany all of a sudden go from what thirty five to fifty five minutes? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, he opened the season averaging 44 minutes and not going above 45 for the first month of footy. Um, and then even past that, you know, he had um, th- three out of his next five games were in the 40s as well in minutes. You know, he he just wasn't, it just, he was the old story with Tuppany. Um, and then he just got let loose. It's, uh, look, have you got any more to add to your list, mate? Yeah, all right. I was going to say, because when he got let loose, it wasn't just his minutes, it was his offloads and tackle busts. It's almost like Ricky went out there and went, oh, all right, you can go and play your game. Um, anyone else? Uh, oh, you've already done your worst calls, haven't you? That we missed? Yeah, yeah, I did all three of them. Um, I've, got, I've got plenty, mate. I've got a, I've got a token Nicarima in there. See, the thing with Nicarima was I was so excited that, look, um, he, he's going. What's his name? Um, Taffy was absolutely well, horrible. And when when Taffy got dropped and wasn't goal kicking anymore, I thought, sweet, Nikarima's going to fullback. He's got the uh, soft draw coming up. He's got the goal kicking. Um, when he when he was playing half for the Warriors, like he actually looked really dangerous. I thought this is this is like a beautiful, beautifully priced pod right here. I'm, I'm going to slip him in for a few weeks. So I've chucked him in. He's played fullback. Um, that week where they played um, the the Broncos in Brisbane, I think it was, they got absolutely smashed. Um, I think he scored about six points. And then the following week, they uh, they named the South team. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, um, I forgot. Latrell's the fullback, not Taylor. I completely forgot about him. That's how bad my season was. All right. Let's let's stop talking about the the bad stuff. Let's talk about the team of the year, the Supercoach team of the year. Best players in each position. Um, Hooker, first of all. Now, Grant was close to 78 points a game. And I think that we all pretty much projected that that would be the case. One of the things that we didn't project, and this is one of the, the mistakes that I made too, I was all over Damien Cook in the preseason. And he was actually the reserve hooker in the team of the year. He was the best hooker back up to Grant. Less than three points behind. Damien Cook was only 2.6 points per game off Harry Grant. So you could have definitely started with Cook and not gotten Grant and you would have gone okay considering the dollar difference there. So um, that was pretty surprising to me. Uh, Honourable mention, though, my boy Robson, who I got instead of Grant, 
Um, averaged 65 points a game, so pretty far away off Grant and Cook. But it was only round eight that he actually started getting 80 minutes a game. And from that point on, he averaged 71. And he actually uh, outscored Grant on that post-origin run or that, through that origin period and then post. So it actually worked out okay for me. Um, he went on a bit of a tear. So honourable mention there, but Grant Cook, pretty stock standard. I think that most people probably had them as the top two, but they were a lot closer, 2.6 points apart than what I think a lot of people gave Cook credit for. Yeah, I didn't think Cook was going to go anywhere near Grant. So that, that really surprised me. Um, Grant really seemed to sort of slow down at one point for a few weeks. He just wasn't getting the, the big line breaks. Um, and then Cook just seemed to come out of his shell the second half of the year. Um, I don't know what happened to him, but it's almost like he remembered, remembered he had a, a running game and um, re- remembered that he had um, uh, Murray um, running inside and outside him. So they they combined brilliantly again. Um, uh, if I had to pick the pick between the two of them for next year, I'd obviously go Grant again. But um, it's nice to see some signs of life there with Cook. Um, unfortunately, I don't think uh, my mate Cotter's going to get Hocker again next year. I dare say he might be pure front row forward next year. Maybe a jewel in the back, back row. He might be dual front row forward, yeah. second row forward. That might be handy. But yeah, he's, he's not getting Hooker, that's for sure. Um, the front row forward, we thought it would be terrible. Um, it was actually better than what I think that we thought as far as the scoring goes. But Papa Lee, 79 points a game. That was also the best second row forward. He was the best front rower or second rower. And we, in the preseason, along with, I think, virtually everyone, said he's he's unbackable to start with. 688,000. Yep. Yeah. Unbackable. Off off a career year last year, couldn't do it. Average 75 points a game. Um, average 79 points a game, sorry, this year. Uh, a point better than what he did uh, last year with his 78. And he actually finished the season worth more than what he started. He started at 688,000, finished at 694, and he didn't deviate too much either. Um, he actually didn't go below uh, about 635,000. That was his cheapest price point. So we were really wrong on him, uh, and he was easily the best front rower, Billy, and he's for your eels too, so you should take a little bit of solace out of that. Yeah, hopefully he remains an eel too, but I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Um, if contracts are worth anything, he won't be. Um such a brilliant player, mate. Like you, you look at the last three or four games of the year when he when he didn't drive the line, he just seemed to be really quiet. Then you go look at the scores and you you're like, huh, sixty five, seventy five? Where'd that come from? You just don't realise how much work he actually does uh, off the ball or near the ball or in support. So um, it's not it's not like he's got you know seven tackle busts a game to sneak him up there. He, he's got like you know, a solid enough you know, thirty five tackles. You know, 15, 20 points in runs, but there's you know one or two hits, one or one, sorry, one, one or two tackle busts, one or two offloads. He just seems to have those consistent numbers and those skewed categories just to give him an extra sort of spike. Um, all I can say is imagine if he could kick goals. <laughs> Reese Martin time. Oh, yeah. look, it's he was twelve points better than the second best front rower. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he was. Far and away the best. Remarkably, only four out of 24 games that he scored below 60. And three of those were 58 or 59 points. So it was just a remarkable season for him. Second, the the best starting front row four duo, Papa Lee and Big Tino. Mm. He's another one that we rubbished. Didn't um, see that at all. 
No. Um, and like, I think that we, even though we sort of rubbish starting with um, Papa Lee, we both thought he was a good option and a great player. And we we're both going to get him in at some point. Yeah. But Tino, we never thought about it. The last two years before nope. this season, 56 and 57 points. Shady was a massive plotter. Um, and then all of a sudden, he just went up a notch and averaged 67 points a game, 11 points a game better than he did last year. And he just was on a tear, especially post-origin. Like, he had two tons post-origin. Oh, sorry, from round 14, I should say, not post-origin. From round 14, he had two tons, 123 and 109 points. That's pretty unheard of with him. Uh, he also had a 90 and an 88 in there. Uh, so in his last 11 games, he absolutely blitzed it. And it was just completely out of the blue because we didn't really see this from him before. Um, his raw base was up to 51, but it was his tackle breaks and offloads that came back up, which we didn't really see the two years before. So he's the best second row forward, uh, front row forward behind Papali'i, Billy. Both the best front row forward options were also second rowers. Tino came in as, as the fourth best second row forward as well. So we're probably a little bit off on the front row forward options being duds and the second row forward being full of the guns. I think he's playing bigger minutes, though. I mean, um, if you go, I'm pretty sure if you go back last year, I think you'll find his minutes weren't sort of, you know, like like they were for the last sort of six weeks of the year. I mean, 69 minutes, 80, 68, 56, 61. Those are... He had a few bigger ones in there. Those are bigger minutes, he seemed to be playing those bigger minutes from the start of the season, but just started being more effective from around the round round twelve, like post that post wearing that maroon jersey for the first time. Uh, yeah, actually averaged a minute less than last year. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it's come from, mate. Oh, I didn't see it coming, and you didn't. But you know, good on Tino. It's going to be interesting next year, and whether um, I, do you think that he might be next year's Papa Lee? Like we're going to go look. He had a career year. Was over. He's overpriced. You shouldn't go near him, and he, he can actually back it up. Uh, or maybe he doesn't, and we're actually right with it next year. Well, his numbers are pretty consistent in every category, um, and it's uh, the hit ups and tackles are the key ones for him because he he's going to get sort of you know looks like he gets the 30, 33 points a game in hit ups and thirty points a game in, in tackles. So. It's not like he's going to regress in sort of tackle bust that much. It's not like it's not like he's going to regress if he ups and tackles if he's on on, on the field um, for the same number of minutes and showing that consistency. It's just the tackle bust, but it's not like he's going to go from you know sort of two a game to sort of none. So I reckon we'll do the same thing again next year. But um, when you when you're paying that to the price to start with, I'd probably prefer an edgy that has. Uh, a, a soft mm. draw and that sort of, you know, I'd, I'd even prefer like a Hudson Young with a soft draw over to the Tino because you just have that sort of better upside. Yeah, well, I mean, it was pretty remarkable because he did, he he was very good this year. Um, but the other honourable mention, Tapani came in at 66 and a half points, half a point per game worse than what Tino was. But from round 11, when his minutes increased, he was actually 77.5 points a game and was close to the best front row forward that you could get. Um, Papa Lee still beat him, but honourable mention there. We already spoke about Tuppany, so let's talk about the second row forwards. Uh, your three starters for the team of the year for Supercoach and second row forward. Cam Murray, 71.2 points a game. Completely expected. The next two guys, absolute pods that people would have said pre-season, don't go anywhere near. Can you guess who the next two are, Billy? Newt man, no. <laughs> um, next two below. Top second row forwards, Cam Murray and two others. Uh, Bofuma? No. 
Crichton. No. Sean Lane, second best, 68.8 points per game. And then Hudson Young, 66.9. The second best second row forward was Lane, and the third best was Hudson Young. Those were two that were um, we spoke about a lot on the podcast that we liked, and they were two guys that if I had more trades, and we spoke about that for the last two months, I definitely would have got on them. They were... Very good. Didn't think they did enough at the beginning of the year to get the averages up, but obviously so. Yeah, Lane especially was really consistent. Um, And I think one of the things that happened with Hudson Young is the same thing as Tappany. It seemed to be after the first couple months of the season, Ricky really um, decided on how he was going to use his forts. And I think they got some um, confidence out of that. But if you're looking at the bench, guys, um, there was a few decent bench outings. Kyla Matangi. 66.6 66.6 points, only 0.3 off Hudson Young. He was one of the better buys that I made mid-season. Went on a cracking second half of the year, averaging 70s. Uh, Angus, 66.3. He was expected. Um, I guess you could say, Billy, though, as the fifth best secondary forward option, it's a disappointing year yeah. for him. Um, and Maddo, 66.2. And that's disappointing too, because even though he makes it on the reserve list for secondary forward, he was actually um, gunning it for like 75-plus scores for about six or seven weeks whenever I bought him. And then he ended up getting benched and um, and not going as well, which brought down his overall average. That's where a lot of his scores are coming from, uh, getting the line break tries from off the bench. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that uh, it was it was surprising, um, the run that he went on. Um, he was one of the ones that I almost paid too much money for, so yeah. I was glad. But the big news there is that there was no David Fafita. And Furmore was actually only 0.2 off for feeders' average for the season as well. Yeah. So second row forward, it's, I I think that I know that I definitely thought that that was going to be a real gun position coming into this year. Ended up being a bit of a dud, and then the last half of the year, and ended up being way too many to buy because there were so good options that were coming up. Yeah, exactly. I actually, um, wanted to start with Hudson Young to start the year, but I. I can't remember if it was either he was still suspended for a game or two and I couldn't didn't want to hold him, or if it was um the the Ricky and the minutes rotation thing that kept throwing me off. Because you, you know what Ricky's like, mate. You can start on the edge one week, one, one week, like like Harrow and I are at the north sudden get completely dropped from reserves already and then come back and start from the bench playing lock. So that was the fear factor with Hudson Young. But yeah, after eight, after watching him play the entire second half of the season, eight minutes week in week out, and go over that line consistency, though he's certainly one for the roadmap next year. Yeah, I tell you what happened at the start of the year with him. He was eighty minutes most of the time, but his first month of the season, eighty points for round one, really good start. Second week, eighty minutes, uh, seventy minutes, sorry, twenty six points, eighty minutes, fifty nine points, eighty minutes, forty seven points, and then he was out for two weeks. And then he came back with 45 points in 80 minutes. So you can't, he was just, he was plotting it up pretty badly. I'll tell you the last six weeks though of the season 125, 56, 67, 62, 111, 112. And across those six weeks, he had seven tries. So if you want to talk about guys on runs, there you go, Hudson Young. Yeah, between him and Nat, Nat Butcher, mate, if they could play eighty minutes on the on the on that on that right edge in, in their own respective teams, but for the next five years, they'd be uh, <laughs> where they 
without a without a head knock, <laughs> I think your boys would be mean. Yeah, that could be real options. So let's move on to the backs. Um, halfback, Hines, 85.8. And even if you had him as a fullback, he was only behind Pappenhausen. Um, and I actually think that Hines could have gone better, um, to be honest. Like, he had a really good year, but I think that there was plenty of games, Billy, during the year that we also thought that Hines uh, could have gone a lot larger. Uh, he ended up with some big ones. Like, he had a 185-point game against the Warriors in round nine, which I recall fondly as my captain. Uh, ended up having six tons for the year, um, which was pretty big. Um, but I, I just think that we we were all expecting a couple of more bigger tons than what he had. Um, but he still managed to average eighty six points a game almost. So huge year. Beat last year's score by eight uh, eight points, um, which I think me and you both thought could happen because of the goal kicking factor. Um, he he was just sensational. And oh, was it wasn't just that. It was um there were no no games off the bench. Well, that as well, yeah. And look, I think he is someone that you pay up for for round one next year based on what we saw this year. Uh, if they have a soft jaw, yeah. Um, but even even if they don't, he's sort of like, it's pretty, he's like Ken Munster. They have bad game, good game. He's just consistent between, you know, um, 50 and 80. So you're not going to got too much coin, if, if anything. So if you're concerned about a player and you're trying to make that 50-50 call, he's the one, one to sort of do it with. Especially if he's got a soft draw and, and, and he's a VC option. Well, the backup to Hines is actually Nathan Cleary, pretty remarkably. Um, Cleary was yep. pretty far behind. Like Hines was on 85.8 points a game. Cleary's on 79.9. And in Supercoach, that's a pretty big difference in scoring. So, yeah, that's. I don't think anyone would have picked that preseason. Um, and certainly for Cleary, that's probably a bit lower than what we expected of him, but he's still the number two halfback and he's 10 points better than Mitchell Moses, who's the third best. If you had to pick between Hines and Cleary next year, um, which one would it be? Pretty tough call. Um, I reckon I'll do it on the draw. Um, but I tell you I tell you the thing that will happen. Um, Cleary will be higher owned and that might be the deciding factor because I think people I will be scared about Hines, but everyone will be on Cleary. Yeah, I'd pedigree. I'd 100% take Cleary. Oof. I'd love to start them both and then just, you know, have the Mogas starting in the centres or something. I don't know what I would do. Uh, 5'8", Cameron Munster, 80.6 points a game. I think we all sort of saw that coming. Um, that was a real career type of year for him. He looked really good. Um, he wasn't really there with the top halves or fullback options, though, um, which, again, has been kind of the story of his career. But 81 points a game, just about. That's... His best, his best average that he's had. Um, his next best was twenty twenty one at seventy four points a game. So certainly a really big year for Cameron Munster. Um, but the guy that was runner up, Billy, I think, is the big talking point. Dylan Brown at seventy four point three points. Um, <laughs> he people know that he's not one of my favourites. Um, I didn't like him this year. I admitted, you know, a month into the season, he's having a really good year, and he was. Um, what I will say is that the second half of the season was nowhere near as good, and we saw a lot of the a lot of the Dill Brown that we were worried about um, owning, but he still managed to average that um, you know, close to 74 points a game, um, which is 21 points better per game than what he did last year and 10 points per game better than what he's ever done before. So anyway, that you slice it, it was a massive career year for Dylan Brown to back up Munster's year. Certainly running the ball with more confidence this year. Um, if you go and look at a lot of the games, you're obviously uh, Moses is the 15 to um, kick tackle bloke. Um, so this year, you you would have seen him flip the ball back. Uh, Moses, 
seen Moses flick the ball back a lot more for sort of Dylan, give him a bit more opportunity for a small grubber or for him to sort of um, show on goal, or, um, which is what he sort of um, renowned for, uh, getting across that line and get, getting over. So I think Moses kind of has recognised halfway through the season or at some point that, you know, the bloke's either just as good as him or, or just as good as the off the cuff. So he was giving him a, a few more opportunities there, which was good to see him take I'm it. actually going to say with, with Dillbags that he's not going to be as good next year. I reckon there might be some regression. I, I don't think that he can back up 74.3, but... Oh, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think so either. Um, I think it's, it's kind of like a monster call. Um, do you think he's going to go well enough to average the same? Yes, no. But uh, do you, does he have a draw soft enough to maybe go... Um, be a VC option, same as every other every other player, mate. Well, honourable mention, I've got to throw out the drink water average seventy one for the year when you look at the entire year, and that was a, a really good effort. Yep. And I, I definitely preferred to have like the time that I owned drink water for from around that mid season mark. He easily outscored Brown, um, so that's something to keep in mind going into next year as well. Centre wing, yep. um, another one that we didn't see coming, and this is something that's shaping up in the Super Coach Team of the Year, Billy. When you're going on the numbers, a lot of guys that you didn't expect, a lot of guys that had career years. Number one centre wing was Joey Manu, seventy six point two points, and he was almost six points better than the number two centre wing. Um, I have always liked Joey Manu as a player. I think that he's awesome, uh, but as a Super Coach player, I've always said he's not particularly relevant other than for some runs and by cover, and. That's just pretty simply because he never really has been. He's never been able to score consistently enough to be a keeper. And when you're looking at his scores, last year he managed 62 points a game, which was solid, but it was the first time he's ever hit 60s in a year. And he sort of struggled to get just over that 60-point mark. 76 was just well, you know, came right out of nowhere. He obviously had some games um, out of position, though, which helped him. A um, couple of games at six, a uh, couple of a uh, couple of games at fullback, including one that he slotted in, and a game on the wing, ended up really helping him. Um, 191 points against the Dragons in round 18 was his best score ever, but he also had another score of 130 points, uh, another big one, and he ended up with what six tons for the year. It's it's pretty remarkable the type of season that Joey Manu had, and when you consider that his base was 33, but his base base attack got him to 59 points a game. It was a remarkable year. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to back that up next year, but he looks like that he might, and he was the number one centre wing by a country mile this year. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Chooks to choose what they want to do between, you know, sort of Manu and Teddy and Sawali. They've got some brilliance sort of um, action that team, but it's at, at some point... <laughs> Like, how do you keep how do you keep a boat with Manu's quality um, quiet and content, just playing right centre doing what he does week in week out? Well, I think the, the thing that came up too though was that he had a, a few big games at centre as well, which is something we haven't seen from him before, and it's because he was playing a, a much more roaming role, I think. So maybe that's how it works out for him. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but that doesn't give him sort of a million bucks a year that he wants or can command elsewhere. So and it's kind of hard to say the same thing for Suwali. It's not like, like you're going to give him a roaming license to go right wing all over the place, um, even, even though they, prob- <laughs> they probably will. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see Manu. Manu was, um, I'm not sure when he started doing it, but halfway through the season, it was, it was kind of like watching... Um, um, uh, what do you call it, Latrell and sort of um, Trebojevic, um, um, particularly Trebojevic, Trebojevic, I'm just going to say Tommy Boy, 
from my origin last year, just kept coming out of nowhere from that right side. You, and I, you, I remember watching you versus Queensland go, oh, what are you doing? Where are you coming from? And just had that brilliance, that brilliance, the sweet left, whereas Manu just seemed to pop up on the left and go, hey, I'm here for a hit up, give me the ball. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was really good to watch. Um, I, I tend to think that Suwali might end up just going to rugby union if he gets paid that $2 million a year, and I couldn't blame him, but he is only 19. So, uh, why, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, he could be back in league in, you know, by the time he's 23 and pocket $10 million. Because he, what, was it, what, is it, what does he want to do? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. But he did grow up playing rugby union, so... I don't think it's as big a deal as what everyone says. I mean, look, I reckon that the Roosters will just take him back like a Sonny Bill Williams style, like come back after Teddy's done. Go go get your 10 million bucks, mate. Play rugby union, which is like having a bit of a training session for four, five years, how the rugby union is. And then just come back in league when you're 23, 24 and you can be the starting fullback when Teddy goes. Like, it's <laughs> It could work out like that, but, you know, we digress. The second best centre wing was um, Ruben Garrick. 70.6 points a game. He, he's one that I didn't get on that I was really upset about, um, but I sort of, I reckon I neutralised it with some of the other purchases in centre wing and some of the other runs. He had a really good year, though. You know, d- He ended up wor- much worse off than 2021. 2021, he was 88 points a game. This year, he was 70.6. So quite a big fall from grace. Certainly, if you started with him, it probably wasn't the best. Um, but getting that fullback jersey, I thought that he looked a lot more comfortable playing fullback than what he has in the past, and he played quite well there. Uh, had four tons for the season. None of them were massive tons, though, like he had last year, and that was probably the big difference maker, too, with Turbo being out. Uh, good year for Garrick Billy. Um, wasn't someone that you couldn't you know, not neutralise, especially in the second half of the year with some of the poorer games the last month of footy. But a really good year. Ended up being the second best um, centre wing. The question will be, you know, next year, is he back on the wing or does he get released to go to the Knights or somewhere? It's the first I've heard of him being released to go anywhere. Um, There's a rumour that he might go to the Knights and they might move Ponga to six, but whether that comes to anything. If Garrett goes to fullback and is, and is kicking goals at the Knights, I'd be interested. Um I think I think he'd go well pretty much anywhere, um, as, as long as so. When I say that, I mean in in any other team at fullback kicking goals. I certainly don't want to, don't want to be paying six hundred fifty grand plus for a winger, even if he is in the, in that team and Trevojevic coming back. It's just a lot of money for a guarantee. Mm. It's like a no guarantee. Well, Valentine Holmes was right on his heels, sixty eight point nine points a game, and it has to be said that he was probably the one that I neutralised. Um, I neutralised not having Garrick with. So I bought yep. uh, Holmes mid-season, had him for um, that big run of games where, you know, in the last seven weeks, three of those were tons and they were 119, 118, 133. And when we were looking at buying him for that Tigers game, Billy, very much a lot of it was around, um, you know, he's only had one ton for the year. Mm-hmm. And we had the conversation that, you know, I was saying, well, I think that he's got it in him, though, with the draw that they've got. And he, he rewarded the, uh, all of us with, that bought him with um, three tons out of his last seven games and also another one at 89. Had a couple of dud ones in there, too, but you're going to get that. Uh, really good season. Third best centre wing. Yeah. Um, and then your boy, AJ, at 67.8. Why don't you just round off the, the top four centre wings by talking all about AJ, mate? I'll hand over to the, the owner out of us. No, he just came out of nowhere. Um. <laughs> The thing with AJ is, mate, he, he's not—he's not like Tupo, Tupo worry or Tuo when he's um, not being shit. Um, he, he, he doesn't have those those kick returns, so he relies on going over the line at least sort of twice a game. Um, 
even though he's had an absolute cracker cracker of a year to finish off on, it, it is frustrating you know, earning a six hundred thousand dollar player, knowing that he's he's just crossed the line for a line break try. He's on, you know, sort of now on sort of forty five points three minutes into the game. He's on the half time. He's still on, he's still on he's still on the same points he was at the third minute mark. It's really frustrating earning him, even though he sort of um, did repay the faith because you find yourself watching the game right up to the 39th minute going, where is he? Where is he? Well, it's, it's crazy the tries that he scored for you, though. Like that last round game against the Roosters, he yeah. didn't score a try. But the eight, eight games before that, he scored 14 in eight weeks. Yeah, exactly. And, he, and, he, and, he's, and although he did really well, if you go and look at all the other, a lot of other players in that sort of realm, like a, yeah. you could have bought like a. At Valentine Holmes, for who scored half the amount of tries and scored pretty much the same. Yeah, Holmes outscored him pretty comfortably, and he didn't need the tries to do it. That's for sure. So it's a good point. And I mean the the tons that he had, he had four tons, but they were one hundred three, one fourteen, one fourteen, and one eleven. So he really struggled to get the bigger tons, even when he ended up scoring three tries, which two of those, um, well, the both one fourteen point scores were with three tries. So. He's a really good buy, though, because he just didn't stop, stop scoring. So as a centre wing, he worked out really well. Um, the bench centre wings for the mentions. Uh, this is where it gets really interesting, Billy, because if you look at your bench centre wings here for the team of the year, none of them are any good on their averages. You know, you really want that 65-plus sort of score. And only four players in centre wing actually had 65-plus score lines. May was the fifth-best centre wing at 64.2. He completely came apart in the second half. Graham had his runs, but um, then had his injuries as well, so he ended up at 63.1 points a game. Meaning at 61.2, who just shaded out Mulatalo at 60.9. Centre wing did not have the scoring this year than what it has before. It had the top four guys, and really that was it. Yep. Um, probably brings me to my next question. Um who would you pick to if you could pick a player in each position to bounce back next year? What, what would it be? So I'm throwing you on the spot, but I'm just curious. If I could pick what to bounce back next year, a a particular player, um, either one in each position or two two or three that you think of, of note that were demoralising or just weren't anywhere near near their value that you, you think can do a lot better next year, whether it's minutes wise or or. Well, you, you use Crichton as, Crichton as an example. He was extremely frustrating all year. Uh, didn't score a try at all until a couple weeks ago, and then all of a sudden just hit his straps again. So someone that you think might bounce back or someone that might be getting more minutes or not, like Tavita Pingo, who might not get shuffled around 16 different positions. You, you took the name out of my mouth, mate. I was about to say, was about to say Tavita Pengo. I actually had Tavita Pengo during the year, and pre-season I actually thought that he was... Um, could be up there. I, I thought that he would have done what Joe Tappany did um, and he just didn't do any of it. Like, So he's going to be extremely cheap next year. Um, if he just gets a job somewhere yeah. and he's starting, he can't be, he can't not be value for money because he's going to cost yeah. like 300000 So he he's, he's my pick and he'll probably rope me in and be shit <laughs> again. But, you know, if I was going to pick someone for a big bounce back based on everything, you know, roll – Really disappointing performance, uh, not getting the minutes this year, bigger role next year, a much better play than what he put out there. I'd probably say him. I'm looking forward to seeing what the O'Sullivan kid can do over at the Dogs. Um, that'll be interesting. Dolphins. No, sorry, Dolphins. I thought it was the Dogs. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be very cheap to start the year, so I'm not sure, not sure many are going to have him at, <laughs> at all. Um 
there are a couple of interesting ones that have gone to the Dolphins, but I, 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 I can't, I can't put my name on them at the moment. Um, I think Haas is certainly a candidate. He couldn't be any worse. He just, just, just needs to have uh, a full season, no shoulder injury, get it, get a few, get a couple more attack stats. Because a, a, a bloke like him that goes from sixty minutes down down to to fifty minutes with no attack is nowhere near the same as sixty minutes with you know a line, a couple of line break tries to add an extra two or three points a game. So I think he go, he go, he goes up. Um, I'd love to see what Pat. Can. Pat Carrigan can do anything too. The problem with the the problem with Huss, though, is you can't improve yeah. much off a sixty three. I guess. Yeah, I think I think Carrigan. Then I think he's he's got the potential for big minutes in in, in that team. Um, I think with a, 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 a full strength sort of forward pack, um, he'd be able to drive that team a bit more. Um, I even think Latrell's got room to improve next year. Not not exponentially, but. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him sort of put his hand up. Um, yeah, I, I like I like most I of those. I mean, I don't know yeah. how much room Latrell's really got. Um, I tell you, I tell you another one as well that could be quite interesting. Um, you have a look at it as well. Brian Toto averaged sub 60, 59 points a game, basically. You know, that's really low. Uh, and you expect with a full team back. Um, where they had you know a couple of months without their full team and struggled a little bit, Penrith. You know Brian Tyler mm. should be in for a bounce back. He's not going to score fifty nine points again. I don't like him on the right, but mm. yeah, that, I mean that's a fair call. Um, I mean the other one too is Luciano Lalua uh, has moved over and has got a new role now. Was coming off the bench a fair bit. It's only averaged fifty two. Um, he could if the mm. cows can repeat this year. He should be 13 points better at a 65 next year. Um, so he, he's interesting because he's got the different role and everything else. Um, but yeah, interesting question, mate. I like it. Um, it. It got me thinking about a few, and I reckon that there is a few Smokies. Um, let's have a look at fullback and finish up. Pappenhausen was 90.3 points per game, which was also the best player in the game. But he only played 12 games, so I, I don't think that we can legitimately crown him. Um, Latrell was 84.5 points a game, but he only played 14 games. So, I mean, do you crown those guys as the, the team of the year two fullbacks? Or do you say James Tedesco played 23 games and averaged 80 points? You know, that's that's a big enough sample size to hand it to Teddy. So, a bit of an argument there over the quantity of games versus uh, the, the lower scoring Teddy, but him playing 23 games. Yeah, yeah. I actually sub bought and sold Teddy about three times, I think. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but he just he just seemed slower and sluggish this year, and I just got rid of him, and then and he just came back and was just twenty percent better than uh, twenty percent. <laughs> well, it's funny because everyone was down on him, right? And they everyone got lives in the exposed. He had a hundred fifty-two point yeah, game after a ninety-nine point game post Origin. I know he just seemed fat and slow, and then Lodge came, and all of a sudden he Teddy just went next level. Uh, he had he had a really good finish to the year. Post Origin, um, he had five out of his eight games were ninety plus. So there you go. It's yeah. um, he, he still had a really good year despite it being a down year. And I mean, when you look at it, you know, seventy nine points, or seventy nine point five points. You know, he was well down off his eighty seven last year, but. Yeah, the second half of the year, I think he repaid owners. Um, and really, if you discount the first couple of months of the year, he threw up 126 in round nine, 144 in round 12 as well. So, yeah, I, I still like him for next year. Um, 
I will say, like, Latrell deserves credit, though, and it's going to be interesting because what he showed in the 12 games, if he can keep going, uh, kicking goals, he could be the number one fullback next year. And I'm, I'm going to say it now, I'm completely going to wipe off Paps 90.3 points a game. I think the injury that Paps is coming back from, I'm just wiping him from my options next year already. Oh, yeah, mate. A shadow knee is a lot different from coming back from a different strain and maybe not kicking goals. Yep. Massive. So, mate, it's funny, isn't it? Because you could end up with a combo of Latrell Teddy to start the year next year. The the old teammates feuding. Yeah, there's a few a few different options there. I think um, I mean Tom's going to be the obvious choice for a lot. Uh, a sixty average is pretty pretty cheap for him. Um, yeah, look, it's another thing to think of next year. It's going to be interesting because. A lot of these guys average around sort of, you know, 70. Um, you've got a couple of guys around, Drinkwater and Garrick are around sort of average at 71. But you've got a few other guys in the sort of mid to the 60s. So a bloke like Valentine Holmes is only sort of 10 points cheaper than sort of, you know, your, your, um, your, 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 your Teddy and your Manu, your Manu type. So if, if you were going to get him to start over one of the other guys, 10 points per round for the first half of the season, it's only a difference of, what, you know, 100 to 150 points. That Those sort of points are easily easily made up if you could buy, buy, buy a soft draw. So you really got to do the numbers between the difference in, in, in points and price and try and figure out, you know, what can you claw back just by just by having using captaincy and loops and, and, and soft draw. So... I think there's a couple of sneakies in there. I, I'm not going to say Gutho is a sneaky, but if Garrett gets, if, if Ruben Garrett gets fullback or um, the Cows have an extremely soft draw again and Holmes and Drinkwater are, are available, um, probably more so Holmes, I'd be quite inclined to get both like that. Yeah, the draw is definitely going to make a difference in the decision making. Um, and I'd say with your Valentine Holmes talk as well that um, he. He's also someone who only like has recently gone to centre and had a full season at centre now, and I think that he was showing that he's more and more comfortable as the season went on playing at centre as well. All right, well that does the podcast, the final Supercoach podcast of twenty twenty two season. Billy, um, thank you for jumping on all the podcasts throughout the year on the NRL All Stars podcast. Um, we will obviously get onto the the pre season ones when we get to January, um, maybe even earlier depending on how December goes and the team picker release, but. Thanks for the season, mate. It's all over. You can put your feet up and just watch the Eels in the finals. Mate, how good's that? The Eels are in the finals. I've actually, I've actually got a bit of confidence for them now. <laughs> well, they can lose and still play the following week too, so you got that. <laughs> We're not going to lose, mate. We're playing the Panthers. I'm, um, well, I'll tell you what, I'll back them with a start, though. Yeah, I actually really like them this week. So, I mean, good luck to you. I reckon they can upset the Panthers. So, I'm looking forward to the game. I reckon it'll be a big one, but... For everyone uh, listening to the Supercoach podcast, you can still listen to the Talking Footy podcast. We've got Wilfred coming on this week. Um, We'll record that on Thursday. It'll drop on Friday, and they'll continue to drop each week as well during the NRL finals. Certainly jump on uh, Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Follow us there. And also, you can grab this podcast everywhere where good podcasts are found, but certainly SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, we are everywhere. Sponsor of the All-Stars podcast is fantastic. Topsport.com.au. Use the promo code SC All-Stars. 
Thanks for listening and supporting the Supercoach content all year, everyone. Really appreciate it. Please do continue to listen to the podcast with all the football stuff that's still going on in rugby league. And I look forward to chatting to everybody in the next few weeks, especially over finals. Certainly, if you're super coach only, that's fine. We'll be chatting to you again in January. Have a great year. Have a great off-season from Supercoach as well. Can't wait to get into it again. I'm already ready to pick another team. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get 